This is NTL Now, your Northern Tier League sports podcast. NTL Now is brought to you by Circle W Sports, the new name in the game for high school sports. NTL Now is also brought to you by Endless Mountains Brace and Mobility, Mansfield University, Max Driving Academy, and the Park Hotel and Brewing Company. Now let's join the host of NTL Now, along with Joe Carrion, here's Shane Wilbur. And welcome to another edition of the NTL Now podcast. Glad to have all the listeners back around again. Shane Wilbur here with you, ready to go for another week. Now, usually uh, we take some time here, recap some of the sports action uh, from the week. We'll do that coming up here in just a little while. But uh, it's a jam-packed podcast this week, and we're going to get things started right now with Brian Fees from the Tawanda Daily Review. Obviously, District 4 cross-country, one of the big things on the horizon this week in the Northern Tier League uh, for runners and such. And uh, Brian, uh, tell us, uh, give us some of the results from the District 4 cross-country meet and how some of our runners fared uh, out in uh, Turbotville. Yeah, I mean, one of the big things was the Wyalusing girls uh, won the title again. They repeated as uh, District 4 champions. So, uh, you know, that's a really good achievement for them. They ran, uh, you know, solid all season long. And, uh, you know, then Melanie Shumway, the freshman from Northeast Bradford, she finished third in her first race. She's a two-sport athlete playing soccer and cross-country this fall. And you know, she really had a good race, and, you know, it's been a crazy uh, couple of days for her from Northeast shutting down and then them not going to districts and then her finding out yesterday she could run and now she's going to states, and, you know, that's from the girls' side of things. And then we also had some good success on the boys' side with uh, Zion Laudermilk and Justin Hubeck both making it to states and uh, Zion finishing third this year. I'm telling you, you know, and uh, just kind of retouching on things with uh, Melanie Shumway, you know, I saw kind of in your, uh, you know, headlines throughout the week, of course, you know, the, the headlines come down that Northeast Bradford's going to go all virtual, you know, and the, the cross-country teams, the volleyball teams and such are going to be shut down. All of a sudden, you know, the, the breaking news comes that, okay, you know, now they're going to be allowed again. I mean, that's got to be a, a quick turnaround, a, a mental flip of the switch there for Melanie, and uh, that's just a, a very good testament there for uh, the young freshman to be able to flip that switch and still come away with, I think she finished, uh, what, third overall, I believe, in the runners, though. Yeah, she finished third, and, uh, you know, I talked to her a couple times this week, and, uh, you know, I talked to her when it looked like they weren't going to run. She was really upset, and, you know, like anybody would be, you know, missing out on the chance to run, missing a chance to go with their team. And then yesterday again, and she was really excited for the uh, opportunity and that things changed her around there for her. So, uh, you know, she really did have to flip that switch quickly and go from, you know, thinking you're not going to all of a sudden preparing and mentally getting ready for the race again today. All right, so now let's flip it back over to Wyalusing. You know, last year I had the opportunity on the podcast uh, to catch up with Coach Schools. This year I didn't really have the opportunity to do so, but uh, I know, you know, there's just something about that program that's just been so good over these last couple of years. And uh, this year again, they're able to go to districts pulling out uh, on the girls' side to win that team title. And uh, who, who are some of these girls that have really helped uh, to, uh, I guess, be the catalyst for this Lady Rams team? You know, Catherine Brown's been a really good runner for the last few years. You know, she was uh, right up there again. If they hadn't made it as a team, she would have gone individually. You know, Kayla and Karina Beebe are both really good runners. Maddie Patton's been there for a long time. The big thing with this group, is that they are very balanced. They they don't have that one runner that's necessarily going to go win a district title, but they have five or six runners who are all going to run right close together, and they're really going to kind of bunch it together. It's kind of like those old Northeast Bradford boys teams, that pack mentality of everybody kind of running together. Now, of course, let's uh, flip the script over to the boys' side. The Wyalusing boys, they have themselves a, a great day as well. Unfortunately, you know, they do not win the team title, but uh, still, as you said, some great showings and uh, great running out of them, given the fact that, uh, you know, it was uh, not very ideal running conditions in Turbotville for this. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't end up winning the title, but second place, you know, that's a really good showing for them today. And then having two individual qualifiers, you know, and the big thing is just the improvement of the kids that made it. I mean, Zion and Justin are both kids that last year were not state qualifiers at all. And then this year, you know, they're state qualifiers in a year where it's a smaller number of people going on to state. 
they're both in the top six. You know, this is you know it's a big improvement in their times over the past year. We can kind of really a testament to how much they have worked to improve. Before I get you out of here, Brian, I know you got uh, a busy time ahead for you, but uh, you know, I'm curious just uh, on a kind of a recognition side, maybe a notable side, uh, are there any other runners uh, from the NTL that maybe we should shine a little bit of a spotlight on who uh, had a pretty solid performance at uh, the District 4 cross-country meet as well? Yeah, I mean, on the girls' side, uh, Carrie Claypool is fair. She missed all of last year with an injury, came back, and she only missed states by one spot. So, uh, you know, she really had herself a good day. On the boys' side, uh, Zion's little brother, Eliza, he just missed states by a spot or two. He was right there in the hunt. That was one of his best times of the year. Right behind him was Owen Williams of Troy. So they had themselves really solid days. And then Athens, you know, it's a little tougher. Double-A races are really hard. The competition is really intense at that level. But, you know, Kyle Anthony for the Athens boys finishing 15th and their team taking 5th in a stacked field. And then Emma Bronson, the sophomore for the Athens girls, taking 20th. Both of them are runners that, you know, if they were in the single-A field, they're good chance they're moving on. And, you know, they, they have very bright futures in the sport. Can't wait to see uh, how things shake out here, of course. Uh, you know, all of the qualifiers and such now uh, ready to go uh, for states. Now, given all the facts and everything that have gone on uh, with COVID and locations and everything that are changing, uh, are the uh, state, is the state meet, I should say, still uh, scheduled to be held in Chocolate Town? Yeah, the state meet's still scheduled to be at the same place, which is good for these runners because, you know, that's the one thing that, you know, kind of goes overlooked is, they ran this race at Warrior Run High School. They've never run a district meet there before. They, most of the kids on these teams have probably never even been to Warrior Run to run a meet. They don't know the course. They weren't allowed to walk the course ahead of time. They're trying to study everything from videos and from pictures and from maps. It, it was a really different experience for a lot of the kids today. So I do think next week you might see some really good times from some of these kids who have been to states before and know that course a little bit better than they know where they ran today. Brian Fees, it's always good to uh, have you at a moment's notice to be able to break down uh, district sports whenever we need it, of course. Brian, uh, thank you again, and uh, we'll definitely catch up with you down the road here on the podcast. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Shane. And that was Brian Fees from the Tawanda Daily Review hopping on here to talk District 4 cross-country with us on the NTL Now podcast. Folks, stick around. Coming up, we're going to talk some District 4 soccer action, and that's going to include another great interview coming up here in just a little bit as we will talk with Athens boys soccer head coach Jacob Lezak. That's on the horizon here on the podcast as well, so stick around. We talk District 4 soccer after this quick note from Circle W Sports. Growing up in a small town. It's important to get your name out there if you want to play at the next level. Circle W Sports helped me get the exposure I needed. It's really been a one-stop shop for college coaches where they can go in there and they can find information about not only one player, but the rest of our team, guys that they might not be thought they were interested in before they went to the website. So Circle W has really done that. It's linked highlight films, contact information, and everything that the coach would need. Circle W Sports, the new name in the game for high school sports. Check out the Park Hotel and Brewing Company in Canton for all of your dining needs. Whether you're looking to dine in or carry out, the Park Hotel and Brewing Company is there for you. Everything from appetizers to entrees, call 570-673-8777 or like the Park Hotel and Brewing Company on Facebook. District 4 soccer on the horizon this week. Lots of great matchups coming your way, and uh, who better to talk district soccer with this week than, of course, the head coach of the Athens boys soccer team. They get ready for a matchup with Jersey Shore coming up later this week, so let's bring in now head coach Jacob Lezak from the Athens Wildcats. And, Coach, thanks so much for taking some time for the podcast this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh... – Really happy that uh, we're able to connect. Hey, Coach, I got to ask you. I mean, it's been uh, quite the whirlwind season this year for all sports uh, with COVID and everything else. Uh, what's been kind of your philosophy this year uh, with your team, you know, dealing with all these challenges this year? Uh, I think it's the same as a lot of other coaches. You know, we take it day, day by day, game by game, um, you know, and it's just been a blessing to be able to get the kids out on the field and, and to get them, you know, doing something and damn playing so you know we took it uh from that approach and uh told the players hey you know they could close it down at any time guys so let's make the best of it and go as far as we can 
You know, last week I'm kind of scrolling through a lot of the sports sections and stuff and seeing all these different headlines, and all of a sudden I uh, happened to pop across the fact that you got uh, quite the birthday present this year as you were named the 2019-2020 National Federation of High Schools in Pennsylvania Boys Soccer Coach of the Year. I mean, what a great honor uh, bestowed upon you, and uh, kind of uh, elaborate and uh, talk about how that made you feel. It was incredible. I mean, I... um... I still find it difficult to believe. Uh, it's just, um, you know, Brian Miller, uh, he, he sent me a message that day and said, uh, congratulations, Coach, on the award. And I I stopped and I thought, I, I texted him back and said, what are you talking about or what award, uh, something like that. You know, I, I had no clue what he was talking about. I'm like, the Ringo season hasn't finished yet. We haven't decided any of this stuff. I had no clue what was going on. And um, come to find out, it, it it was uh, something that wasn't like wasn't supposed to be released by the PNAA. The school was supposed to be able to tell me, um, you know, what was going on, you know, what what had happened in that decision from last year. So that that was uh, it was just a you know a huge surprise and uh, you know an amazing honor at the same time. I mean, to think of you know I know a lot of a lot of coaches across the state, and these guys are incredible. And uh, they do a fantastic job with their programs year in and year out. So, you know, to be considered at uh, the same level with some of these guys is, um, is amazing. I got to tell you, you know, to see the length of uh, tenure for you uh, running this Athens program, uh, I saw, you know, you were closing in close to 20 years. You've been the head of the Athens boys soccer program. I mean, what keeps a a coach going, you know, with that type of longevity uh, invested in in a sport that long? It's the love of the game. You know, I I, I really love the sport. It's done a lot for me. And, um, you know, I, I always look. To, to see what the sport can give to the, the players every year. And then, um, you know, I, I have a great support system with my wife and my coaching staff and, and our families on, on both sides, you know, from my coaches' families and stuff. So so that allows us to, to all be there, you know, for the players. And, and then it comes down to the kids. Um, they're, they're great to be around. They, they love the program. They love the sport. And every day they show up, they work hard, um, they push themselves, and, you know, they, they want to be there. And if they didn't want to be there and um, and train hard to do that, I probably wouldn't have made it this far. So now that we look ahead, uh, obviously uh, district matchups coming up this Saturday. You uh, will host Jersey Shore coming up this week as the two seed, uh, Sealands Grove as the top seed. Uh, you know, this is not, I, well, I don't want to say unfamiliar territory, obviously, but, uh, you know, obviously it's a new year, uh, a different uh, team, but, uh, you know, for you, familiar ground is, uh, you know, you've been in District 4 championships, I believe, the last four seasons. So, I mean, what makes this team uh, capable of uh, potentially claiming a third district title for you? You know, I, I think this team's very unique in that, you know, we don't have that one player that a team can look at and shut down. Um, you know, we've got – We've got talent in a lot of different areas, and, you know, players have shown up in different occasions for us. Um, you know, we if, we if we turn them on and we show up and we play our game, we're going to be tough to beat. And, uh, you know, the um, the losses that we had to Wellsboro, you know, there were some things that didn't go our way in those games, you know, the two penalty kicks on the two different games. And, you know, that, that really changed the tempo for us uh, in those games. And um, we didn't respond at the same time. But, um, you know, when I look at, 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 at the way this team's trained in the last two weeks and the way that they've really embraced um, taking on their weaknesses, it's, it's been pretty exciting. You know, they, they get focused in on it. They take it personally. Uh, they're not at each other's throats. Uh, they, they have taken the concept of team, and, and they really embraced it. And they know that they, you know, one guy can't do it all for us. And, you know, we're not we're not going to be looking down the field and saying, well, you know, if, if he doesn't score and he's not on the field and we're done, that's, that's not the case with these guys. They really know that uh, when guys step on the field that, um, you know, we're, we're just going to continue to work hard and, and put our nose to the grindstone. 
You know, and I got to ask, you know, being the fact that, you know, you've got a lot of coaching experience in these types of situations uh, as far as like the District 4 playoffs and such go. I mean, does, does that bode well for you knowing that, you know, you've been around these guys for so long? Obviously, they pretty much spend their year uh, playing soccer that, you know, you, you can basically just kind of make those adjustments on the fly and, uh, you know, get these guys in the right positions. I think experience really does, does help a lot, especially being, you know, um, where, you know, when, when you're there, it helps to settle the players down. It helps to get them focused in the postseason, uh, you know, especially when, you know, we have uh, such a, I mean, a relatively new group, you know, to, to the postseason, you know, considering how many players we lost. So, you know, for, from my perspective, it's, all right, guys, you know, these are the things we need to work on. These are the things these teams are bringing at us and, and what they're going to do. And so to help prepare them mentally, uh, as well as physically, you know, for what our opponents are, are going to be doing and their style of play, uh, you know, the the, um, the the free kicks and, uh, you know, kind of uh, corner kicks and other special um, things that these teams are good at. It really helps from where I've been uh, to bring it into training and show these guys, all right, this is how we're going to handle this. Now, Coach, uh, before I get you out of here, I do have to ask you this question just because it just seems, you know, from somebody on the outside looking in. Now, I never profess to be a soccer expert. You know, I, I pretty much take my basis from the standings, what I read in the sports headlines. But, I mean, Athens soccer as a whole, you know, both boys and girls soccer just seems to be kind of that standard in the NTL. Uh, when it comes to you know soccer championships, what is it about the the soccer culture in in that Athens high school programs that uh, just makes it kind of that uh, you know the, that standard program uh, on both sides uh, for for NTL soccer? You know, for the girls' side, it they they had that longstanding tradition of um, you know being the top team realistically since the program was was started. Uh, for them, you know, they've been on top, and, and a long time ago, it came down to from their style. It was a lot of the fact that we had uh, better female athletes. You know, they they were so athletic they could go out and step on a soccer field and and put a ball at their feet, and those girls could play. You know, so now we've got girls that are playing with you know tons of experience. They're also athletic at the same time, but they've been developed you know as soccer players coming up through. So that's really. Uh, you know, we've had the athletes, and now now those athletes are soccer players from from a young age all the way up. Um, from the boys' side, it's really you know um, we've we've grown uh, since it first started as Athens and um, came in from SRU. We've kind of grown, and um, you know when I took over, uh, the the program had dropped down, and uh, we we were a below five hundred team uh, my first year, and then we just continued. I knew, you know, I haven't played a lot even. Uh, I, I really knew what it was going to take and the hard work and dedication it was going to take from the players, you know, year-round. And once we started to set that standard, then it, it became ingrained in the players. You know, we need a work ethic. We need to um, to understand what it is to be pushed and, and uh, you know, accepting that what we've done in the past isn't good enough. And uh, that's really kind of been the mainstay for our program and, and where it's been. Uh, you know, every year the guys understand when they leave and the alumni know, you know, what, what the other teams have been through and, and what the other guys have done. So it's, uh, it's really a, it's a sense of pride, and that was one of the big things I wanted to instill in the boys, to being, being able to leave and be proud of something that they've done. And, um, you know, it's really great getting the feedback from alumni and that, uh, you know, they come back and are, are – proud to see what the players are doing and I think that really helps propel a program uh, when, when they get that, that outside support and uh, the young guys see that um, our guys are playing all over the place we have a lot of, of guys you know I really encourage them to you know in the off season if they're not going to be a, a two or three sport athlete then if soccer is their choice then they're going to train it and, and they're going to work hard um, and that's, that's their you know one way or the other we just want to make sure that they play and they're doing something. And wrapping things up here with head coach Jacob Lezak from Athens Boys Soccer. Athens taking on Jersey Shore. It's part of a doubleheader at Alumni Stadium coming up Saturday. Girls will be in action at 1 o'clock. Boys will follow uh, against Jersey Shore at uh, 4. So, uh, Coach Lezak, again, thanks for taking some time here on the podcast, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, potentially catching up with you down the road, and uh, hopefully you're uh, able to possibly bring home uh, another district title this year. 
I certainly hope so. Thanks for having me. That was boys soccer coach from Athens, Jacob Lezak, with us here on the NTL Now podcast. And again, a big thanks to him for taking some time out uh, to join the NTL Now podcast this week. Speaking of District 4 soccer, well, we've had some NTL teams competing in that this week as well. Unfortunately, we've seen some teams who have uh, seen their seasons come to a close. Uh, unfortunately for the Sarah Redskins and the Northeast Bradford boys, uh, their seasons came to a close this past Tuesday. Sarah was defeated by top-seeded Millville, while Northeast Bradford lost to East Juniata on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday action on the girls' side. Unfortunately, the Lady Rams of Wyalusing saw their season come to a close. They were defeated 5-3 by Northumberland Christian in District 4 soccer action there. Other District 4 soccer action still to come here in uh, Northern Tier League action as far as uh, Northern Tier League teams that are featured. Uh, Wellsboro and Loyal Sock scheduled uh, for District 4 boys action still to come here. Uh, and then looking ahead on uh, Friday, looks like the Tawanda girls will be at Central Columbia. Montoursville will be at Troy. And the Wellsboro Lady Hornets are going to be hosting Lewisburg in girls soccer action for District 4. Uh, quick side note uh, for Wellsboro, uh, that game's actually going to be played before football action as Wellsboro football is going to host Montgomery on Friday night as well. So if you're going to be there for the soccer action to support the Lady Hornets, if you can, stick around and uh, watch Wellsboro football as well if you're able to uh, scrounge up a ticket uh, for that action. But yes, uh, that uh, girl soccer action coming up uh, again Friday and again recapping Tawanda at Central Columbia, Troy girls host Montoursville and the Wellsboro girls host Lewisburg on Friday. And then of course, as we just talked with coach Lezak about uh, in j uh, just a little bit ago, I should say uh, the Athens doubleheader coming up on Saturday as the Athens lady Wildcats will host Mifflinburg. That will be a one o'clock game and the Athens boys will host Jersey shore uh, following the girls matchup. Uh, the boys got, game scheduled for four o'clock at alumni stadium so there's a quick recap of some district four soccer action uh, that has happened and uh, action still to come uh, as far as uh, some upcoming matchups here featuring NTL teams as well. So as we continue on here with the NTL Now podcast this week, Shane Wilber here with you and uh, continuing on with more great sports talk. And well, I know you've all been hankering for a lot of football talk. And well, we've got that coming up for you as the District 4 football preview for our NTL teams comes your way here in just a short. So as we get ready to roll here in a moment, we're going to get ready to uh, dial up my friend Mark Malkowski from from the Press Enterprise in Bloomsburg. Mark and I, we're going to talk about the Athens and Danville matchup. And then, of course, uh, Chris Massey from the Williamsport Sun-Gazette. He's going to be along as well. We'll preview Troy South Williamsport and, of course, the District 4 Class A Championship Round 3 between Canton and Muncie. So that's on the horizon as well. Folks, stick around. The District 4 football preview is coming your way next. It's after these quick messages from our sponsors right here on the NTL Now podcast. Endless Mountain Brace Mobility in Troy is a proud supporter of our area athletes in the Northern Tier League. Parents, don't just trust anyone if the athlete in your family is injured. Let the experts at Endless Mountain's Brace Mobility be there to help make the recovery process as easy as possible. Call them today for more information on how they can help at 570-297-2993. That's 570-297-2993. They're open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5, and closed Saturday and Sunday. That's Endless Mountain Brace and Mobility in Troy. Get your teenage driver licensed and road safe by calling Max Driving Academy in Canton, 570-404-7815. That's Max Driving Academy in Canton. At Mansfield University, we're proud to offer affordable, life-changing education. With more than 40 degree programs, from two-year degrees to bachelor's and master's programs, Mansfield University has something for everyone. Small class sizes allow students to receive a personalized, hands-on education, making the value of your degree go even further. Learn how an affordable education at Mansfield University can benefit you at mansfield.edu.
And welcome back here on the NTL Now podcast. Shane Wilber here with you, and it is time to dive into the District 4 football preview here. Of course, this week we've got three teams from the Northern Tier League heading into the District 4 playoffs. We're actually going to start with the Athens Wildcats as they're going to be on the road at Danville taking on the Ironmen, helping me break down this week's ball game from the Press Enterprise. Gives me great pleasure to welcome in Mark Malkowski. And Mark, thanks a lot for taking some time here and uh, jumping on and doing this preview with me this week, sir. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to do it, and uh, hopefully we have a good weekend of football ahead of us. I can't wait for it, that's for sure. So, Mark, now I've seen this Athens Wildcats team probably three or four times this year. I know the explosiveness they have offensively. What is it about Danville that people here in the Northern Tier might not know that makes them the quality team that they are? Uh Danville's really just an all-around good team now that they've really settled in under uh, Mike Brennan. Uh, that program's really been on the up-and-up after the shaky year last year. Um, they have arguably one of the best quarterbacks in all of District 4, and K.J. Riley, he's really able to air the ball out, and he can run, too. And their defense is just as sound as well. They're holding opponents strong week in and week out after I they had last week off but shutting out a good Bloomsburg team two weeks ago they're just a really good all-around team I think you know Mark I look at Danville's schedule and with the exception of Montoursville I, I don't really know if the Ironmen have faced uh, you know, a lot of explosive offenses this year. Athens, of course, bringing in uh, Mason Lister at quarterback. He's got weapons like Shane Reed, Carter Rood, uh, even you know, uh, Babcock outside as well. Uh, what is it about this Danville defense that uh, may present some challenges for this Wildcats offense? For sure. Well, I mean, like you said, they have played some strong opponents. I mean, I was at the game where they played Montoursville, they played Central, Bloomsburg, and uh, they, they've held their own, uh, especially in their pass defense, they're holding opponents just like a 32% completion percentage so far this year. Uh, they, they allow a little bit more on the run, teams are able to, if they can get the run going first, they, they can kind of get those yards there against Danville, but through the pass, it's, it's really not an easy pass for teams to do to uh, throw the ball effectively against Danville. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, you know their quarterback, K.J. Riley. I mean, how cool is this kid in the pocket? I mean, it seems like he's just blowing up stat sheets every week. Right. He just looks like a natural back there. He's very calm. It's not like he sees ghosts or whatever the saying is. Against, like some of the younger quarterbacks do. I mean, he is a senior, so he, and I, this is his fourth year as at least part of the offense at quarterback. Um he, he's just very calm and composed, and, I mean, he, he knows when to tuck it and run. I mean, he's averaging almost five yards a carry this year, and he's broken out some long runs when he does that. But, I mean, week in and week out, throwing the ball, he only has, out of their six games played so far, only one of them he hasn't thrown for at least 215 yards. So he, he just he can really air it out, and he's, he doesn't make many mistakes. He uh, he had a three-interception game against Bloomsburg two weeks ago. That was really his only big blunder, aside from Montoursville. But, I mean, they're such a good team that they're going to create that themselves, kind of. But other than that, he, he had four of his games where he just hasn't thrown an interception. And he, he's the best quarterback I've uh, covered in District 4. I mean, this is only my third year, so it's not that big of a sample size. But he is the real deal. Uh, something else, you know, that I'm curious about, because, you know, as you said, Danville's had some time off. Athens, of course, has been uh, kind of on a hot streak here uh, playing over the last couple of weeks. They've been kind of in in some tough battles as well. I mean, do, do, you, do you feel maybe a little bit of a rust factor for Danville coming out early, given the fact that, you know, they have had a couple of weeks off and haven't really been up to game speed lately? That, that is a possibility. Uh, I mean, the fact that they haven't played in two weeks now because they were supposed to play Mount Carmel last week. Obviously, Mount Carmel scrapped the rest of its season, and they never found another opponent to play. So they did have that open week last week. But it also might allow uh, time back for the guys to get healed up. I know one guy that we aren't sure if he's going to play, but he's nearing a return if they go deep enough, I assume, uh, is their sophomore tailback, Ty Stoffer. 
he went down against Lewisburg in week three with a wrist injury, and he's had it in a cast on the sideline ever since. Uh, but we might be nearing a return where he might be able to go at least in limited action this week. I'm, I, I don't know for sure, but that is a possibility, I'm sure, and especially if, if they were to make it to the district championship, I'm sure we probably see him there. Mark, you know, let me ask you this much, you know, as, as a football fan, kind of a guy who's been around locker rooms, do you think, you know, if anything, kind of the early afternoon kickoff might have a little bit of effect on these teams, given the fact that, you know, they're both used to the evening kickoffs, seven o'clock kickoffs, and now, you, you know, your whole routine's kind of thrown off, given the fact that you're playing uh, kind of in the early afternoon hours. It, it might play a little bit of a factor. I know, at least speaking for Danville, they, every game they played so far this year has been a Friday night, or maybe there might have been a Saturday night game in there. But regardless, they haven't played in the daytime yet. I mean, I, I know they practice in the daytime most of the time, so, I mean, it's not like they're completely uh, a stranger to it. But it might be a thing, and I know, <laughs> at least for covering covering the game's sake, I, I know uh, since it's in the daytime and we're getting to that part of the year, I mean, it won't hurt that it's in the day. It might be a few degrees warmer, so I'm sure the players won't mind that aspect of it. But, yeah, it will be certainly interesting to see it is does cause any issues or if it takes some getting used to we'll have to see what we know for sure is uh the winner of this one is definitely going to earn it uh you've got uh, explosive offenses all over the field of course uh you know as we said the athens defense they're definitely going to have to be on their toes as well uh to defend against uh, a stout quarterback and kj riley and of course uh, you know i'm sure if you have a stout quarterback he's got some great weapons uh, on the outside as well i think i was reading through uh, some of your work uh, earlier in the season uh Persing and Dressler on the outside definitely posing problems as well and uh I think it's just going to be a, a matchup of athletes all over the field you know both teams uh bringing a lot of explosiveness and uh, I'm sure uh, the coaches as, as well and this is an underrated aspect too uh you've got coach Jack Young of the Athens Wildcats he's been in the game over 20 years coach Brennan of Danville he's been in the game over 20 years you couldn't ask for more experience at the helm of either of these teams for this matchup Absolutely. I mean, you aren't going to see any rookie coaching mistakes, that's for sure. They've both been in the game for the better part of two or three decades now, and it's going to show on the field. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the strategy both of them cook up to try to beat the other, and it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Man, I can't wait uh, to see how this one goes down for sure. But I uh, want to thank uh, Mark Malkowski here from the Press Enterprise for taking some time here to jump on this week's District 4 football preview as we just talked a little bit of Athens and Danville. And, uh, Mark, thanks again for uh, some of your insight on the Ironman, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, my friend. All righty, sounds good. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, take care. I'll, I'm sure I'll see you soon. All right, that was Mark Malkowski from the Press Enterprise helping me break down the Athens-Danville matchup coming up uh, on Saturday afternoon. Let's keep the District 4 football preview here on the NTL Now podcast going as we welcome in from the Williamsport Sun-Gazette, the good doctor. You can call him Doc Massey, as most of us do. Chris Massey joining us here. And Chris, uh, thanks for taking some time here to talk some playoff football. My pleasure. I'm glad. I'm glad we're having it. I didn't think we'd make it this far, so I'm pretty grateful for the opportunity. I have no doubt about that. Now, Chris, of course, we've got uh, Troy and South Williamsport, Canton and Muncie. We'll uh, save Canton Muncie for just a little bit, since that's the uh, Class A championship. Let's start with Troy and South Williamsport. Uh, you know, kind of some irony here that these two teams happen to meet up in the playoffs, given the fact that uh, they were supposed to scrimmage like what a month and a half yep. ago and unfortunately uh, couldn't make that happen and now here we are uh, district four semifinal troy and south williamsport yeah, it's funny how things worked out that way and uh you got some got some parallels with uh south coach chris eisworth being a teacher at troy and, and him and uh troy coach jim smith are good friends so it's kind of funny how not funny but you know ironic how it all came together and i think both teams have been kind of built the same way they you know strong offensive lines great running games tough runners uh, physical defenses so you know, it's kind of looking in a mirror i think a little bit i think troy has the advantage but uh 
know a lot of a lot of parallels between the two teams you know it was funny like I actually had the opportunity to uh talk with coach Smith uh, the other day we were just kind of having a casual conversation and uh he, he kind of said tongue-in-cheek you know probably the longest part of the game might be uh the halftime ceremony as Troy's gonna have to do uh, their homecoming and stuff at halftime he's like he's like hey, this could honestly be a game where you know South Williamsport and Troy have uh four possessions uh, between them in the first half, given the fact that they're built the same way. They like to ground and pound, and both teams want to chew the clock. Yeah, that's what we were saying that in the office the other night, too. Uh, Mitch Rupert's covering the game, and he said, heck, you might be out of there in uh, an hour to 90 minutes, the way both teams run the ball. And, and you're right. I mean, I, I think both teams are capable of throwing the ball. I think both have decent quarterbacks. But let's face it, I think if either – Either team and coach, I think if they have their preference, they're just going to run it all night until you stop them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think South is going to have to probably try to throw the ball a little more than Troy, but but I think Smith's right. I mean, again, homecoming could be the uh, the longest way though. It's the way these teams like uh, like to establish that running game. Now, obviously, of course, you know, for Troy, uh, a lot of the magic goes around Damian Landon and Caleb Benford, and if those two guys are going, you know, things are going pretty well for Troy. Uh, give me some insight into South Williamsport. You know, if the Mountaineers are going to have uh, uh, any shot of uh, staying in this game, winning this game on Friday night, uh, who's going to have to have a strong game uh, for the Mountaineers Friday? Well, Zach Miller's been their go-to running back. Uh, he's, he's averaging about 139 yards a game. Uh, but I don't think they're just going to be able to to impose their will and, and uh, run all night on Troy the way they're playing defense. So I think it's going to a lot of it will come down to Landon Morrison, the quarterback, and uh, Grant Bachman, that wide receiver. I think is an exciting player to watch. Uh, he's he's a junior receiver. He's he's caught touchdowns in each of the last four games. He's he's gone over 100 yards twice. And uh, him and Morrison have a good. Uh, Good chemistry, both juniors. They played together for a long time, so I think I think they're going to have to try to stretch the defense a little bit, try to keep Troy off balance a little bit. Uh, I, I think Zach Miller can still be effective, but I, I don't think the yards are going to be as easy to come by against Troy as they've been against some other teams. Uh, and keep an eye on that. Tight end Jake Casella, too. They like to get him involved, and, and he's got a couple of touchdowns, so... I think they're gonna they're gonna have to have some balance. They they were they were pretty balanced against Wanda last week, and I think it's gonna take a similar kind of game plan this week with with Bachman definitely playing a heavy role. Now, one interesting thing uh, when you play Troy is you know you've got to be stout up front defensively. I mean, you've had a chance to see South, uh, I'm sure, at least once, maybe twice this year. Uh, what do you see from South up front? I mean, is this a team that you think uh, you know can, can handle a four-quarter battle against what's usually a physically uh, challenging Troy team? I'll never underestimate a South team because they they they, can't, they surprise me year after year. Even when you think they might be down, they always seem to be be strong up front on both sides of the ball. That being said, I, they're, they're younger up front than they've been in the, in years past. Uh, they're they're not as not as big up front, but they're still physical. Uh, they're still going to get after it, but it's it's going to be it's going to be pretty tough. Uh, I, I think. Like you said, I, I think they could maybe slow them down a little bit in the first half. But I think is I think the more Troy runs it, you know, the what what start is three or four yards, three to five yard gains in the first half could start breaking into something bigger in the second half. Uh, so you know, Ryan Rishoff, he's he's a good defensive tackle. He's a guy to keep an eye on. I think Troy, or I think South is going to put up a good fight, but, but I think it's going to be pretty hard to contain that Troy running game for four quarters. I mean, and to be fair to South Williamsport, there's been a lot of teams this year uh, that have had problems uh, containing the Troy running game. I mean, even the Canton Warriors, who defeated Troy in overtime, I mean, even they had a hard time stopping the Troy running game. So, I mean, it's just, it's a tall feat uh, in general. I mean, if people were to honestly ask me this, and and I have been uh, from time to time, I will say I think Troy up front and just with their ground game and athletes and everything that they have, I think, you know, there there is not a team in District 4 that I don't think Troy can go on the field and compete with. They're just that balanced and that physical that I think they can give anybody problems. I know the expectations were high there coming into the year with a, with a strong quarterback. 
and then, like you said, all you know, a lot of big physical, strong linemen. They can open the way for those two running backs. Uh, but I, but I get the feeling that I think that Canton loss now is a good thing. They'll never say that because that's their arch rival, and obviously you want to win it. But it might have been a blessing in disguise because I think they've been on a mission since then, and, and it just seems like they're getting better every week. And uh, I think that really lit a fire under them, and it seems like a team that's that's taken at the right time and is clicking on all cylinders. Is, is going to be, and that's going to be pretty tough to beat. All right, so now let's transition over to the Class A championship football game coming up Saturday afternoon, 1 o'clock in Canton. Now, stop me if you've heard this headline before, Canton hosting Muncie. I mean, Chris, is, is it Groundhog's Day again? I mean, how do we always end up in this position? Yeah, it's pretty wild, three years in a row, and uh, you know, both teams have good, strong, young foundations too, so we, we should, it could be Groundhog Day for the next few years as well. You know, we talked about Troy and South kind of being mirror images, and I think these are Canton and Muncie are uh, the same way. Uh, tough kids, strong up front, good skill players, and, and that's why I mean, these games have been so close the last two years. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, round three here in the championship. One of the questions I had coming into this year for the Warriors was, how would Cooper Kitchen? Handle stepping in as the starting quarterback after such a great year uh, that Uriah Bailey had last year for the Warriors. And I'll tell you what, if there were any questions anybody had, he's really stepped up and answered the bell this year and really become that leader that they needed. Yeah, I mean, he's he's really been efficient. Nine touchdown passes. And big right, you know, he got thrown into the fire right away against Troy in that opener and, you know, showed you what he's made of there, down 28 to 12, four minutes remaining. And, Throws two touchdowns to get him to overtime and runs in the game winner. And, you know, he's just – I saw the uh, when he was a freshman playing baseball, they, uh, Bob Rockwell put him in in the, the seventh inning of a one-run game to try to close out Sullivan County, and, and he got a one-two-three inning. So it's it's different sports, but, but you know, the personality is the same. I think he's a kid that, that embraces those big moments. And, and like you said, I think he's he's really stepped into a leadership role and uh, – been a, been a great quarterback for them to replace, after having to replace a great one in uh, Uriah Bailey. Now, of course, let's not sell short uh, Branson Iyer for Muncie. I mean, another quality youngster at the helm last year, of course, led this Muncie team to the District 4 Championship uh, at Canton. Uh, Muncie again, you know, uh, you know, a, a little bit uh, more firepower this year as they've been able to uh, welcome Ty Nixon back in their backfield this year. Yeah, and, and Branson Iyer, I think you know, he's an X factor. Just it, you know, going back to how these teams are mirror images. I think both of them like to run the ball, but Cooper Kitchen can do a lot of damage throwing it. Same thing with Muncie and Branson Iyer. I think it's it's kind of a run first offense, but you know, you go to sleep on Iyer and, and some of the weapons they have in Ross Iyer and uh, Chase Crawley, and and they can change the complexion of a game pretty fast. And and like we said about Kitchen, Branson Iyer. Young kid, he's a sophomore, but he's a really good leader. Led a game-winning drive at Canton last year in the fourth quarter, so uh, he he gives them a real good spark. And uh, and like you said, having Nixon back has been huge. Uh, Ethan Gush was all state last year, but they've been able to move him to fullback now. And Nixon and uh, Gush are kind of like a thunder and lightning combination. Both had over a hundred yards last week against Wyoming, and. So it's just, they give you a lot to think about. It's a well-rounded offense. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, and something that uh, I've really liked watching this year uh, out of the Canton offense is the distribution uh, from Cooper Kitchen this year. You know, it's not just one guy stuff in the stat sheet. I mean, you've got Ben Knapp, obviously, uh, you know, who's one of the area's best tight ends and all-around football players. Uh, Weston Bellows has been coming on lately. Joel Schoonover's been in the touchdown mix. Hayden Ward can break one uh, at any time. I mean, this Warrior team has just been, uh, you know, kind of a, a electric whenever they need to turn it on. A credit to Cooper Kitchen there for, you know, not being fixated on, on just when you got a weapon like Ben Knapp, it could be easy just to try to try to get the ball to him and maybe force throws that you don't want to force, and, and he hasn't done that. Uh, I'm sure defenses are doing whatever they can to take that nap away, and I think Canton, rightfully so, has said, well, we got other guys that we can go to as well, and 
you know, now Nap, Weston Bellows, and Joe Schooner overall have three touchdown catches this year. So I think that speaks to the balance there. And like I said, Hayden Ward, yeah, I was a kid last year that was a freshman. You look, I, I saw and said, you know, he, He's not getting a lot of playing time right now because he's got guys in front of him, but you could tell he was going to be a really good player, and he's showing that this year. So just like Muncy, you know, back to the mirror images, I mean, Canton can beat you in a lot of ways, and they got a lot of different weapons. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, these offenses, you know, are, are just about as identical as it can get, I think. Does this game to you kind of have that feel where, you know, maybe two years ago a special teams play might be the thing that uh, turns this game uh, totally upside down? I mean, we saw it, you know, both teams battling like crazy, and I think it was a blocked punt maybe that uh, kind of turned the game upside yeah. down, got Muncie ahead, but it, it kind of has that same kind of vibe this year given the fact that, you know, both teams, they're, they're just so evenly uh, matched, I think, on the offensive and defensive sides that that third aspect of uh, football may be the one that uh, comes into play here. Absolutely. It could come down to something like that. I think both teams have some good special teams players uh, and return games and could come down to I, this is a game where just like two years ago, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of points in it. So, you know, kicking could be a huge thing. Uh, it could come down to an extra point here or there. Uh, you know, with the weather, with the weather being cold, punting could become a factor, you know, in flip field position. So, I think that's a good call. I think in a game as close as, as this one, I think it's going to be uh, one key special teams play or, or one turnover or a sack or something like that could end up being being a major difference in the game. You know, you know the hunger is going to be there on the Warriors because, you know, they, they finally want to uh, overcome, you know, kind of this little monkey that's been on their back the last two years in Muncie. On the flip side, uh, for the Indians, I mean, you, you got to feel like Coach Tetrault and the Indians, they're, they're not really feeling as much pressure given the fact that, you know, they are the defending champions. They've been there. They know what it's like to go into Canton. I mean, for, for Coach Tetrault and the gang, this has got to feel kind of like just uh, another week of practice for them given the fact that, you know, they, they are the defending champs. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that's thrived in these situations the last, you know, last four years. They've won three titles in four years. And in five of those, five of those wins have been on the road, and four of them have been against teams that beat them in the regular season, like like Canton's done the last two years and, and did a couple weeks ago. So yeah, I mean, there's, I don't think there's any trepidation for Muncie at all. They obviously they wanted to beat Canton the first time, it didn't happen, but it's, I don't think that shook them up at all. I think it's a, a really confident team that has, has really embraced these big game moments over the years. And it's interesting because, you know, obviously Canton is out for a little bit of revenge because of what's happened the last two years. But, you know, conversely, just like in the past two seasons, Muncie wants to exact revenge for a regular season loss. So it, it makes for quite a battle. Uh, I think something – I think it'll be if, – if Muncie gets off to a good start, I'll be curious to see how Canton responds uh, because then you wonder – if Canton starts thinking, here we go again, and I don't think they—I I don't think that's the, their mindset. But uh, when somebody's had somebody's number in, the, in a playoff format, I always wonder. You know, I always think getting off to a good start on either side is could play a heavy role in the game. Boy, thinking about uh, either one of these teams getting off to a big start, that's just something I haven't even yet fathomed, given the fact that, you know, I think this game's just going to be so close. Uh, I feel like, you know, we could be going into halftime, you know, tied like they were in the uh, regular season matchup, and it's basically going to come down to uh, second half adjustments. And uh, I'm just, you know, curious, you know, both of these teams so evenly matched. I mean, you got to figure we're, we're coming into the fourth quarter with this one, right, Chris? Yeah, I, I would be shocked if uh, if that wasn't the case. If this if this didn't mirror in the last two years, and you know, right down to the last couple minutes of the game, that the outcome's still in doubt. Uh, I just can't see either one of them pulling away early and uh, you know, controlling this thing throughout. I think it's going to be a knockdown, drag them out fight. Uh, you know, we've seen nine to seven. Two years ago, I think it was twenty three nineteen. Two years ago, or last year, I mean, I I, I kind of think it's going to be closer to uh, 
the game we saw two years ago. I, I think re- points are going to be really hard to come by. Uh, that being said, with my asking predictions, it might be a shootout, but uh, it's, it's going to be exciting all the way throughout. And field conditions will be interesting, too, with the rain we've been taking uh, today, and we're supposed to take into tomorrow. So I'm sure it's going to be uh, a pretty, pretty wet field, and, you know, can be, uh, footing could be key, and that's something else that could be a factor in a game. You know, somebody losing their footing at some point and opening the door for a big play, it's one of those games where I think just one one play in the game could be the difference. Here we are sitting talking about uh, the potential for a tight game, and we end up in a in a thirty four thirty shootout or something like I had at the old shoe <laughs> yeah. game. I mean, you just you just never know. But uh, yes, you know, I mean, you got two quality coaches and Sean Tetrault at Muncie, uh, Tyler Seacrest at Canton. You know, two teams that know each other so well. And uh, hey, you know, it's just uh, it's it's Groundhog's Day. It's uh, Canton Muncie three in the District Four Championship, and uh, Saturday. Afternoon at one o'clock, we're gonna kick it off and uh, we're gonna let it fly and see where everything lands. But Chris, I uh, definitely want to take some time and uh, say thanks for coming on and uh, helping me out with this week's football preview. And uh, I know that uh, when it comes to football, you definitely never shy away from uh, giving your opinions and/or uh, viewpoints. That's the best time of the season, so always happy to talk football. (laughs) All right, man. Hey, you can follow Chris uh, at Doc Massey on Twitter and uh, check out his work in the Williamsport Sun Gazette. Chris, thanks so much for taking some time this week, and uh, we'll catch up with you down the road, my friend. All right, sounds good. And that will about wrap things up here on this week's edition of the NTL Now podcast. Of course, again, want to thank Chris Massey from the Williamsport Sun Gazette, Mark Malkowski from the Press Enterprise in Bloomsburg, Brian Fees from the Daily Review, and of course, head coach Jacob Lezak from the Athens boys soccer team for being guests this week. Always uh, look forward to having guests here. And of course, uh, we'll be catching up with a lot more coaches and or players, athletes, and uh, journalists along the way here as well. I just want to give you a quick head Heads up, uh, districts for volleyball around the corner here in, uh, what, just about a weekend's time. So I think those are scheduled to start coming up this Saturday. Volleyball championships should be next week. Uh, Good luck to all of our soccer athletes as well who are going to be competing uh, all along the way here uh, over uh, the next couple of days and into the weekend as well. And hopefully we get some more advancing on into next week. Uh, Wiggle 100 football this week. I'll have coverage from Troy and South Williamsport at Alperon Park on Friday night, 7 o'clock kickoff there. I'll talk to you from Canton on Saturday for Canton and Muncie. That'll be a one o'clock kickoff as well. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook, NTL Now Podcast, on Twitter at NTL Now Pod, and of course uh, on Instagram, NTL Now Podcast too. Folks, have yourselves a great week. This is Shane Wilber saying so long. I'll talk to you next week on another edition of the NTL Now Podcast, an exclusive production of Circle W Sports. Thanks for listening to NTL Now, your Northern Tier League sports podcast. Keep following the Northern Tier League on Facebook and Twitter for more updates on the Northern Tier League. Audio from the NTL Now podcast may not be used without prior consent. Join us next week for more NTL Now, brought to you by Circle W Sports.